Hey everybody, this is Bevan. Uh, you're listening to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. My co-host, Biscuit Reynolds, is now in spirit form. And so metaphysically, he feels very much like he's standing on my head right now uh, in the crown chakra. Um, I'm really... <laughs> without crying uh i it has been i'm recording this a week and a day after he became an ancestor uh and his decline well uh i mean you know you always know your pet is going to become an ancestor eventually because pets are chapters in our lives i got that from chrissy tolly but it's correct it's just a time in our lives and they have these short lives and they teach us so much about unconditional love and the risk to love is always worth it, in my opinion. Um, I had people say all kinds of goofy things to you when you're grieving. And someone uh, recently uh, just said, wow, this is why I could never have it. Like, just in relation to my grief about my cat and my experience. Oh, I'm never going to have a cat again. Never going to have another pet again. Blah, blah, blah. This is why. And I was like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not watching this. I'm just making this kind of like big eyed expression and nodding my head. I'm like, uh, and then I say, I, I am a very truthful, honest person. If you've been around this podcast before, you've heard me just speak my truth. Like there's, once you go authentic, it's really hard to go back. And, um, and I have a Mercury in Sagittarius, which is just the natural truth teller. And, uh, so I was just like, yeah, well, most of the lessons in life we learn through love and if we're not willing to love we're not willing to risk we're just living a half life um uh, so just bluntly say that to somebody because i'm really in a lot of pain and so my filters are different um so anyway thanks for being here for the first episode filmed um without my feline overlord in the earthly form supervising us but of course we even just have a giant portrait of him painted by my neighbor during uh, the quarantine so grateful to have this art grateful for all the biscuit reynolds art i have and grateful for all of the support i have um from folks all over who have been helping me um just even with thoughts and prayers but like sending me snacks and giving me cookies and making me meals like i'm feeling very supported and grateful for that um i still haven't even like done laundry since he passed and so like i have this blanket next to me that has like smudges from him those are face smudges from the cats eye boogers yeah okay um anyway i miss him so much like it is like anyway this isn't a grief podcast <laughs> i say that so much um today i'm very excited to introduce you to my friend robin doxy she's extraordinary like i can't like i had been hearing about her readings for a long time before i finally booked one and i was really just straight up curious like what can she see about me um because i loved what i was hearing from my friends uh from what she saw for them so uh, Robin is uh, extraordinary, and I did not ask her her astrological stuff on the podcast, but I remembered afterwards. So um, she is a Gemini sun, a Libra moon, friend to everybody, a Scorpio rising, I uh, sense the strong Scorpio energy from her, uh, Gemini Venus, and Mercury and Mars in Cancer. So for those of you who are astro nerds out there, like that's who we are experiencing today. She's extraordinary. I'm really excited to introduce you to her um and suggest a reading with robin doxy at some point in your life like um the last couple episodes of this 
my solo episodes were about dating. So I will say like uh, hot on my list of dates to have, even with someone I was dating long distance, like a virtual date would be to like have them go see Robin, record the reading so that I can hear it later because like I want to know what Robin sees about people. Um, I, her special sauce, whatever she has on top of um, going through the Akashic records is something extraordinary. So I'm excited to introduce you to Robin. Um, and of course, this podcast is really all about us being cozy on the on the porch together. Um, like we're on a virtual porch where um, pick your coziest porch furniture you'd love to sit in. Um, and we all have our favorite cozy blankets and uh, we're just uh, sharing together. Um, Robin hasn't been on a lot of podcasts, which I was surprised because she's so articulate um, and such a good storyteller and a very good teacher. Um, but anyway, I love being like a first time podcast host with people. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm gentle, um, gentle, but I ask the good questions. Um, so before we get started, I would love to tell you how you can support this podcast. I can draw a direct line, uh, for the art that I'm creating today to the support I have been receiving through my Patreon page, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com is a membership support site. It's safe and secure. That allows folks like you to support creators like me who create work that you enjoy. It's like taking the record industry out of the intermediary between fans and artists. Um, I love Patreon for what it has enabled me to do um, and the relationship it's enabled me to foster with the people who want me to win the most, who like are very excited about my work. Um, my aerobics class, Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, um, FKDP. So it's patreon.com slash FKDP. It's the primary thing we support um, through uh, the Patreon page. All of my Zoom classes are available to anyone at any level of Patreon support. Um, I also create a lot for my Patreon supporters. So there's, you get early access to podcast episodes. So you're watching this early if you're on my Patreon. Um, you get uh, stuff I don't share other places, my spiritual self-care lessons. Uh, you get access to my Discord community, which is like our online locker room where you can make friends. Um, and also like I have a little special diary over there and like forest feed and things like that that I just uh, only share there. I also have an on-demand level of membership with uh, on-demand aerobics classes. So if you want to not miss a thing, like my in-person classes, which I've started teaching in-person more frequently, and um, my in-person classes, I record those for the on-demand membership. Um, I have been doing a grief support stretch series of classes. Uh, I got a great question actually from a Patreon supporter about like, so what is the grief support stretch and why is it different? Um, so these are, I wanted to support people in these times and a lot of people agree. I don't know a single person who's not going through grief of some kind, whether acute personal grief or just like general grief around this state of the world. And um, I believe that grief work is almost like expanding your nervous system um, and like expand, like grief practice is joy practice, right? It's like, how do I open myself up to having new experiences while also acknowledging and presenting the pain that I'm feeling right now, right? Um, and I think sometimes uh, acceptance is just like, it's not assigning what you're presently feeling to the rest of your life. But one of the most powerful things we can do is just be very present in our body and with our feelings. Um, and so the stretch class, it's the slowest I've ever taught things. Um, it's a lot of tying breath and movement together, but not with yoga. I mean, I think some of the movements I do are yogic, but um, it's not, it's standing or in a chair. It's not on the ground because I find um, 
when in my body, which is a fat body, I have found floor work to be not great for me and harder to access. It's a lot, one less barrier to entry for me to uh, just do something standing, right? For 11 to 15 minutes. And that's how long the classes are. So I record all of those for my on-demand membership. And I just set up, it was almost like an artistic endeavor because I wanted to learn more grief support stretch modalities that could help people hold grief and pain. Um, and so it is a lot of, it's very slow and it's a lot of breath. Um, so it's breathing in, breathing out, just some basic stuff that's actually really hard to do. And I've actually had to coach myself through breathing when I'm in acute grief. Like when the big feels come, I just have to breathe in, breathe out. That's the focus, right? Um, and so it's a lot of that stuff. So I've been learning like some acupressure points. Here's, here's a gimme. I'll give you this, like just this crease below your um, hand, right along the wrist. Um, right in the center of that, just rub that very gently, no, no big pressure, just a light rub for about 10 seconds on each side. And that will help to relieve your grief feeling. So when you're feeling pain or sorrow or frustration or any of the big things, you can just be present with your body, breathe, ground your energy and just do that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I also like this one right on your third eye, which, um, in evolution is your first eye. It's the first one that evolved, but right here, that's an acupressure point. It only takes nine seconds for this to reduce your anxiety. So just put your knuckle right on your third eye and that helps relieve it. I also, when I teach it at aerobics, I do this in, in regular aerobics too, the third eye one. Um, but I tell you to remember that you're a unicorn when you're anxious and put on your unicorn horn. So anyway, free stretch. That's what I've been doing. It's my little artistic endeavor right now not little, my big artistic endeavor that I've been enjoying greatly. Um, and it's a 17 week series. So we're going through the end of March and um, it's been really cool to learn things bit by bit. And I'm so, my ADHD brain loves a little iterative challenge, you know, like we learn everything. And I call it Terrapin Tuesdays because Terrapin Station is my favorite Grateful Dead song. And I wouldn't even call it a song. I would call it a metaphysical transportation device because it takes you someplace. It's a really great vehicle for feeling. Uh, so we're doing a different version of that song every week. Um, and anyway, it's a great class. I've talked about it a lot. Patreon.com slash FKDP. Uh, so if you missed any of them, if you're listening to this long into the future and I'm not teaching it live on Zoom anymore, you can go back and watch the recordings because they will be there in the on-demand membership. So I hope you will consider supporting this podcast because I love to get to support you through free resources like my podcast or my blog at QueerFatFem.com. Lots of archives. I really want you to understand there are so many ways to become a happy, successful adult. Um, and there are so many ways to do it that are outside of what people were taught. I think we're really taught like just a couple versions, like be a rock star, be an athlete, go to college. Those are your options, right? Like, whereas there's like myriad options. There's so much more than that. So Robin is amazing. I'm really excited for you to get to know her on with the show. Welcome to the podcast, Robin Doxy. Yay. Hi, Bevin. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. Um, I always like to start business in the front. Um, so please tell us about who you are and what you offer. Okay. Um, before we begin, I do want to express my gratitude to you for inviting me on that. And I would also like to extend that gratitude to all of the people who are listening to your podcast and that I'm just grateful today. Um, so now, uh, some of the most uncomfortable parts of speaking is like actually speaking about myself. <laughs> so I am Robin Doxy. Uh, I 
am a channel of the Akashic Records. This is what I currently do. This is my professional um, psychic job as it is right now. So one of things, one of the things, I guess I do a lot. One of the things that I do is I channel people's Akashic Records for them. And that is um, the records of their soul. So that's everything their soul has experienced, past, present, and future. And as I channel that, the information that I'm doing is the soul's perspective of their life. Uh, I love Akasha. It is a non-physical dimension of energy. It is the natural energy that our souls exist in. So we are of Akasha. It's very natural. It's very loving. It's very non-judgmental. But the reason I agreed to do this rather than do psychic readings is that the agreement I made with Akasha and the Akashic record keepers and people's Akashic records is that I get to do this for the highest good, but not just for the highest good for myself or the client sitting in front of me, but for the highest good of all connected. So whatever other soul comes in, the only thing Akasha will reveal for me to share is information that would be for the highest good of the person who is here. Uh, and that kind of sidestepped a lot of the more mundane questions of just curiosity and allows me to live my life purpose of service. So uh, that's the main thing that I do. Aside from that, I also offer um, classes and workshops and mentorship um, about spiritual development and intuitive development. Um, because when I'm looking at your soul in your records, I can see how talented you are. I can see how amazing you are. And I want, my goal in life is that you can see how amazing you are. You can see how talented and gifted and multifaceted you are. And, and I want you to be comfortable in accepting that. So I have branched out into classes and workshops and mentorship. And soon I will also be doing a Patreon so I can get even more personal with people for, for doing those things. And so basically... In my professional life, I walk my life path, fulfilling my life purpose. I absolutely love that. Um, I love that not only are you a practitioner, but you're also teaching, which I think is so valuable. Um, I really think I've been to a lot of Akashic Records practitioners, and you you have a special sauce that is unlike anybody I've ever connected to. And I don't know what it is about what you can see or how you can see it, but like, you're definitely like if I hierarchical or if I put in order, like people, I think you should see to understand yourself better in a way that we can't, you know, like I, I open my Akashic records every day, but there's stuff that you could see that I couldn't see um, without your help. There is something to it. Like um, also your website, I want everyone to go to robindoxy.com. It's beautiful. Um, her whole aesthetic, if you're listening to this is like, blue purple hair and like a cute blue shirt and that is what the website <laughs> looks like will you tell us about the uh, the bluebird it's a blue robin on your website right yes <clears throat> so i've always been robin um actually my parents picked a different name for me 
And the day that I was born, while my mother was recovering, my father fed me my very first bottle. And he saw me, you know, it's a normal, you know, you touch the baby, the baby starts rooting for, for the food. When he saw that, his words, what came to his mind was like, oh, she's just like a baby Robin. And then my name became Robin. So I was named after the bird, but I, I feel like it's the perfect name for me. I've always been Robin. It's never been a nickname. So when it came time for my logo, actually, um, Chrissy Tully, who I think is one of the most gifted psychics I've ever come across. Um, when, when I had my first reading with Chrissy Tully, uh, she was like, I don't know why you're here. You should be doing this. You could do this for me. And I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And, um, when it finally came time, I was like, well, if I were to do that, like, what would I call myself? And she would be like, your name. So everything is under my name, which felt very vulnerable to me. Uh, And I was like, well, I've always been the Robin. I've always been the Robin. But blue hair feels natural to me. So I was like, I'm also the blue Robin. So I changed the Robin's colors. Instead of that beautiful, soft brown, I changed it to blue. And that's where we came with the blue Robin. I love it. I also love that Chrissy opened uh, this door and was like, Robin. Ay, ay, ay. She's a really Chrissy good one. Chrissy is amazing. She's like, she's an amazing those, person. She's an amazing person. And it's almost like her, her psychic readings are like coaching in some ways. Like, um, cause she'll like, good. she's like good at identifying like the path, the block and the method and like softly, kindly telling you how to go around and through um i'm pretty sure she's chrissy tolly.com um yeah but it's and and naming stuff is really hard i will say i've had a long before i became anonymous just as bevan like that means no last or middle name like i had a lawyer name and then i realized the hard way i can't use my lawyer name as my stage name and so then i had a very complicated stage last name which was just confusing and then eventually I simplified it, but it's very interesting. Like it's, it's very vulnerable when you're trying to like, be like, am I going to, am I going to do this? Am I going to be perceived as crazy? And I'm putting air quotes around that on the internet, you know, like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Like I'm not slowing myself down because the rest of the world hasn't caught up to the fact that like, yes, we have our earthly senses and we have this Akasha that's here. Um, If anybody's seen frozen Two it like talks about like the elements and then the akasha like it's there it's there to help you um and it's like another level of seeing um robin what kind of questions do people come to you for like when people are seeking your guidance like what are the things they're asking i actually really love that question um so people are coming to akasha for curiosity only uh their questions are super broad And a lot of times it'll be like, well, what does Akasha want me to know? Or what do my guides want me to know? And I always, I'm like, ooh, uh, I wish I had prepared you more because we're doing things for the highest good, right? So when people ask, well, what does Akasha want me to know? Akasha wants you to grow. Akasha wants you to become more you. So you're going to kind of be handed some very interesting information about yourself that you may not have been emotionally prepared for. 
So I have a list of frequently asked questions on my website to help people prepare. The bottom line is you can ask anything you want. It is your soul. They are your records. The information is specifically for you and for you only. The questions that are most effective are questions about life path, are questions about um, I'm going through this situation. What is the lesson about that? Or what is the block about that? Or how can I celebrate my gifts or express them? How can I express myself better? A lot of people ask about soul contracts, which I feel those soul contracts help us navigate through our lives to our best possible outcomes if we utilize them. Um, and if the other person in the contract is fulfilling their part. So lots of questions about life purpose, life path, soul contracts, past lives, blockages, gifts. Um, and then people can come in for understanding about very specific situations going on in their life. So the big things people wanna know about are relationships and career. Um, Family is also a big one. And you, we can get as specific as you want or we can get as general as you want. But a lot of the things that we are struggling with or curious about in our life are, um, those are the very life lessons that we actually wanted to have human experiences about. So getting some clarity and understanding about that can help us move through them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. When someone's not fulfilling their end of a soul contract, what happens? Dysfunction. <laughs> that's, that's the easy short question. <laughs> when someone is not fulfilled, so say you and I are in a soul contract and uh, and I'm not showing up for it. Let's say, you know, I'm, I'm really involved in my own ego and perhaps my own ambitions. And I'm, and I'm not taking our contract of mutual support seriously. And I'm kind of there for you when I want to, but I also want you to be there for me most of the time. And, you know, it, it becomes an imbalanced energetic exchange. And maybe I'm not showing up with the higher energetic. Maybe I'm I'm showing up to our contract with lower energetics. This can become a very codependent, dysfunctional relationship where one of us feels drained a lot. <laughs> so this contract's not going very well. You can do two things. Well, you can do more than two things, but you have two main choices. You can stay in the dysfunction and perpetuate the dysfunction of the contract and we'll pick it up again in another, you know, at the end we'll be like, well, we really messed up on that. Let's try it again as a different relationship in a different life. Or you can take the lesson from this. You can take that when I showed up for this contract of being mutually supportive with each other and I showed up from a low energy and you on the contract, you can take the lesson from that of how do you rise above that low energy? How do you disengage from that codependent dysfunction and grow from it? 
if you can do that, if you can learn the lesson from this of like, I don't want to be treated this way. I value myself. I value my time. I value my energy and I value where I put that energy and you disconnect from this relationship. You have successfully fulfilled that contract because you grew. So that is one way that you can fulfill the contract, whether I do or not. The other way is you can break the contract. You can agree to be like, you know what? I don't want to engage in this contract anymore. I want the support for my life purpose. I'm going to move on to a different relationship where I feel I can fulfill the spirit of the contract. You're allowed to do that. Just because we have a contract does not mean you're obligated to stay in a dysfunctional contract. You have free will and you have choices of what you want to do with a dysfunctional contract. So I try to differentiate that. Just because we have a contract and we're meant to cross paths does not mean you have to remain in a low vibrational contract, but it still gives you an opportunity to grow from the contract. You can still gain the spirit of the contract that propels you further on your life path. And um, so those are two of the, those are two very amazing things you can do with a contract where we're not showing up for each other, <laughs> but you can, it's still valuable. At the end of the day, at the end of the life, our interaction had value. Love that. That's helpful. Because um, I've experienced people just not showing up and being like, okay, well, I can sense that yeah. this is something we arranged uh, before and here you are. Um, I'm curious, uh, like, okay, so I've been told that like the universe has backup plans and I've kind of experienced the universe having backup plans, like for people who don't show up for soul contracts, like there's like, okay, here's this other, I, I always believe like, God's answers are uh, no, but I have something better. Yes, or yes, but not right now, right? Like, and like, it's usually slotted into those things with the stuff that you want, right? Um, and I'm curious, like, if, like, how you perceive, like, there's something better coming in, like, is that, like, a backup soul contract you had or just, like, a backup plan that central casting is using to, like, move things around? Okay. Not a, a very clear question. Um, I think it's a yes and um, type of question. So, yes, there are backup plans. Uh, you know, we make lots of contracts. We make lots of contracts. We make big contracts. We make little contracts. And some of those little contracts are, you know, you need to be at the right place at the right time showing up as the right energy. We miss those all over the place our entire life, you know? So there are backups. Uh, you know, I might pick one up for somebody, you know, that I was like, I have nothing, you know, it's just a human interaction, but I'm picking up a contract that maybe they didn't get to fulfill earlier in their life or, you know, just didn't hit the right place at the right time. So there are many options for like, if you miss something, there are lots of backups for that, for those big ones. Um, 
the one I see most commonly is someone is meant to have a child and it doesn't happen because you're, you make this agreement to be in each other's lives, but the parent comes down and has a bunch of life experiences and environmental experiences that change their ability to have that child at that time and they miss it. And this can be devastating, absolutely devastating. So that soul still needs to come into the physical plane and they'll choose another family. And it can, it, it can almost be like that ugly duckling situation where somebody comes in and they're like, I just don't fit in this family. It's, it's like they missed the entry that was intended originally. So they found a substitute to come in and it can be a little disconcerting, but that, that other person, that, that parent who was, wanting to be a parent in this another soul they can make in their human form their soul can make a contract with another soul to allow them to come in and that can be through like naturally carrying a child it can be like in vitro it can be adoption it can be with another family member having a child but you have a very close aunt or uncle relationship with that child where there's still parental influence going on. So for the big ones, um, there are also really big backup plans. On a human psychology level, those can be very, very difficult to go through because there's pain and loss and fear and uncertainty and, and just confusion. But don't worry, the universe does have you. Oh, I love it. Um, what are your suggestions for people dealing with uncertainty? Um, so can I ask you to clarify that for a little bit? Are you talking about an existential crisis uncertainty or they need to make a decision of like, should I move or take another job uncertainty? I'm talking about like life uncertainty, the way in which like we're, we choose to believe this reality that we're always safe and that things are never like, you know, I live in this house, I have this job, it's going to be like this until I choose to change it, which is not true. Like the only thing that is true is that tomorrow is not written, right? So like, um, I think a lot of what holds people back from taking risks is a fear of uncertainty. Like, what if I make the wrong decision, right? Like what if, um, like something that's really helped me is understanding decision-making is a self-correcting process. So if I make the wrong decision, you know, we're just figuring out what doesn't work, right? Um, so I'm just curious, like, does that make sense in terms of what I'm asking for in terms of uncertainty? Like job yeah. loss, like housing crisis, breakups, like grieving, like all of that is just a, a period of uncertainty because you've never experienced this before and you're scared of what the results might be. Um, that's kind of what I mean by uncertainty. Um, I, I actually really love the way you answered it, Bevan. <laughs> that, you know, life is our decisions are self-correcting. I love the way you answered that. So we are not meant to live in a vacuum, nor are we meant to live a static life. This wanting to know what the answer is before we actually take a step towards the unknown, that's a control issue. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me take a drink. Oh my God, look at that robin on your cup. 
I'm um I'm feeling Akasha uh uh inhibiting my answer to that. So I'm going to try to translate that in a more general um uh, thing. I um the angels in Akasha, I asked them to um allow me to speak to the person who needs to hear it. So I think the person who needs to hear it, I don't want them to become dependent upon this answer. So here is the thing. We want to control our outcomes based on past trauma because we've been hurt and we don't want to feel that hurt again. So we believe if we can control all the external factors, we'll be okay but we didn't come to life to be okay. We came to life to be human. And I love what you said about self-correcting. It's okay to make the wrong decision sometime. Most of the time, it's okay to make the wrong decision. And there's this belief that there's the right decision. And there's not. When we live in centered within ourselves, there are multiple right decisions. It's just a choice. And there can be like a decision paralysis going on of like, there's there's too many options. I'm afraid if I pick one, it won't be as good as option two or it won't be as good as option three. And there's this, what I wish I could convey is the fact that you made a choice is the right choice. The fact that you were willing to move out of the fear that that trauma is holding you back, the, the, that you're moving out of that, that you are experimenting. And if you, if you just want to experiment on being a human and experiment on making a mistake, the best things I did or because I made a mistake about it. The things that I became very, very good at were because I made a mistake. The things that came easily, I don't, I don't keep those up. I don't even value them. I'm like, whatever, you know, but the things that I had to struggle through or overcome, those are the things that I really paid attention to that I actually poured my heart into understanding and growing from them. So how do you know it's a mistake? Do you, are you calling it a mistake because you're scared? Are you calling it a mistake because you got uncomfortable or you got hurt? Getting hurt is not a mistake. It's part of being human. Staying in the hurt and owning it as a trauma, that's where you ran into the dead end and that's where regret and stuff happens. You are more than welcome to experience it, but the universe and your soul and your spirit and all your guides do not desire that for you. They desire you to move through it, to move over it, to move past it, but they desire you to move. Life is not meant to be static. Wow, Robin, you're so good. Um, <laughs> that's a really, I mean, it's true. I mean, what is a mistake? Mistake is just, you know, I did, I intended it to turn out this way. It didn't. And so, you know, or I, maybe I would have made a different choice, but now I can learn from that, make different choices moving forward. 
I think people get really stuck in regret energy. I'm listening to Matthew Perry's autobiography again, because uh, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I was like, well, let's dive back in. And um, he really stews in his regrets. And I, it's interesting because I have regrets, like times in my life where I would have made a different decision if I had the knowledge now. Um, and I don't stew in them because it's just the life experience. And so now I, I can make better choices moving forward based on the information I have from before. But I think that's almost like a level of self-compassion that like has to be learned if we're not raised with self-compassion. So you are one of the most compassionate people I know. Um, in terms of just like how you are able to just like analytically look at things as neither good nor bad um, and with just such great compassion. So I'm curious if you could talk about compassion and like um, kind of the world's obsession with good versus bad where that isn't really the Akashic perspective. Um, first of all, you're being extremely kind. <laughs> I actually find myself as a baby student of compassion. Uh, I des I desire compassion. It is, um, it takes a lot of energy and mindfulness for me to, to pursue this. So um, I have role models of compassion and, and I aim to be at that level. So uh, you're very kind on saying that and I appreciate it. Um, so many bad things bad things happened in my life that when they were happening, I could not understand. And during those bad times, I myself behaved very badly. And I could not understand, like, what is the point of all of this? I mean, like, really, what is the point of all of this? So disillusioned. And, uh, but I've lived long enough and I've heard enough stories to be like, well, wait a minute. Who said it was bad? Why did I, why did I hold that belief? Why did I hold that attachment, that value attachment to it? Because I have no idea if it was bad. I have no idea. Uh, and the good things that happened to me, why am I holding that attachment of like, oh, this was the good thing. So I'm holding these values and attachments based on very fleeting emotions of like, well, I didn't feel comfortable or I felt very comfortable. And if I'm going to base my life on comfort and uncomfort, I'm never going to be satisfied. Never going to be satisfied. Because as soon as I get comfortable, I want more comfort. And as soon as I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to suppress, deny, run away. And that takes a lot of energy. So Akasha has really taught me that in this perspective, in this longer perspective, beyond a month, a year, a decade, this very, very long, timeless perspective, it kind of washes out. There is no bad, there is no good, there's experience. And what I attach or what value I assign to that experience, that's the illusion. Because those bad things that happened to me they ended up helping me find myself. And those good things that happened to me, they ended up having a gratitude practice for others. So I don't really, I don't really know if it was good and bad. So for me to be like, oh, I can judge if something is good and bad when Akasha can't even judge 
something to be good and bad. It's like the height of ego, the height of ignorance for me to have that judgment. So I accept that there is this judgment and I accept that when I'm going through a fleeting emotion, I'm going to make a mental judgment about it. I accept that, but I don't want to believe it. I don't want to stay in that belief system because within the world of of energy, within the world of wonder, within the world of curiosity, within the world of um, connectedness, there's so much better to pay attention to. There's, there's, I can, like, if I can live in that world, I have a level of peace, which some might interpret as boredom, but I have this level of peace that I'm like, wow, this is where the juice is. This is where the, this is where the, the juice, or as you said, the meat is where this other stuff, I mean, it's just junk food and it's fleeting. So why give it value when it when it doesn't need value to it? And I can just be like, these are my lessons. These are how I react or respond to these things. It's really, really valuable information. But it's only valuable information if I evolve with it. I feel like I just went on a soapbox. So I'm just going to pause there. That's why, I mean, this is what a podcast is. It's soapbox moment. Um, I love it. Um, yeah, I love that. It's just an intention around learning and um, and kind of stacking onto the uncertainty answers, just like continuing to move forward. And mm-hmm. um, I, I do believe it's valuable. I do believe experience something is bad I I believe there is value in it I just don't believe in attaching to it so for me experiencing regret experiencing shame those have a value to it but they're they're not a value for me to identify myself with those titles they have a value for me to identify what I don't want to be yeah oh there's a great Oprah quote about how your 20s are really about figuring out what you don't want to do like career-wise like <laughs> you're supposed to you're supposed to be in spots where you're like yeah it's not this <laughs> and um I really do think that's life like I mean Abraham Hicks teaches that all the time too it's like you're supposed to be in an experience experience contrast want something else but you know grateful for what you have now and the wanting is what keeps you moving forward right and so yeah that's just this is the learning ground. Um, oh, I love it. Robin, would you tell us about your, um, how you became Robin Doxy today? Like, did you grow up and know that you uh, had psychic gifts? Was it something, was there an incident that like turned you on to it? Um, what, what's this journey been like for you? Um, well, I have a few decades under my belt, so it's a little bit long, Um, I, the, my family members, my ancestors are just really incredibly powerful. Uh, even though they may have been constricted by the cultures that they were raised in. Uh, so I come from a Catholic background and I also come from cultures where, um, 
you know, the men rule the house. And yet, uh, my ancestors were incredibly powerful. So one of the things that my grandmother is very, very gifted in, and, um, and I hold her, and I'm just in awe of her. I'm so lucky that I got to be part of this lineage. She is very gifted with angels, and specifically with um, helping infants and their guardian angels, helping uh, children foster relationships with their guardian angels. So from birth, uh, I was enveloped in angels and the angel energy. And to me, this was life. You know, this was, this is just how it is. You know, as we learn, we have a best friend with us. We have this like babysitter with us at all times. So when I was two, I was in a pool floaty and my mom and her friend were sitting outside of the pool and I was kicking around and I saw bubbles and I just thought these were the greatest things because, you know, I'm two, what two-year-old doesn't like bubbles? So I leaned over and I fell out of my floaty and I went to the bottom. But as I was going to the bottom, as I was breathing in this water, the bubbles turned into golden light. And I was experiencing a near-death event. And it was so beautiful. And as I was going down, my guardian angel was there as well as another angel. And I got this flash of what it is, like what is waiting for me on the other side. And I, and I got to experience a connection with true love, a connection with pure love and consciousness that even as a two-year-old, I understood this, this is it. This is, this is it. Um, and I wanted it so bad. Like I was so happy to be dying, um, enveloped uh, by these two angels. And then they gently let me know I couldn't die. I had to live. Um, so they encased me in their wings and I was no longer inhaling water. And my mom, you know, they heard the baby stop splashing. Um, so her friend who just happened to know CPR, um, dove in, dragged me out and brought me back to life. So I just had the most amazing, beautiful experience to this most amazing, painful experience. And I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> but from then on, I had the certainty and the knowledge that I had this best friend. I had this guardian angel who was my best friend that I could always turn to for solace and protection. But I lived in a very westernized, patriarchal, capitalistic society and my entire childhood, whenever I would bring something up about the colors that I see or, um, you know, the animals or these little people who were talking to me, the adults just continuously let me know that I had a very active imagination. And then as I grew up, my brightness attracted a lot of greedy energies. Um, and I didn't like it and I didn't like being hurt. So I learned how to hide myself. And I knew that 
when I talked about things that I shouldn't know, um, I got treated like I was very weird and I was very desperate to belong. So I just hid more and more. So I've always been in touch with my intuitive nature. I've just been very, very guarded about it. Um, and I tried to do a lot of different things. And it wasn't until my mid-20s that I was like, you know what, Robin, you really are a healer. You need to get healing. Um, and I was talking with my great-grandmother, and she's like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, I'd like to be a healer. I'd like to go into the healing arts. And I love my great-grandmother, who was like the most proper Mormon ever, who told me, she's like, well, honey, you need to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> and I was like, I do. So um, that's when I went into massage school because this was a modality where I could slip in uh, this energetic healing work under, oh, well, I'm just massaging someone. And, um, and that's where I hid for about 17 years, even though at the time I was doing very, very intense energy work and spiritual mentorship within that. And I became known as a healer. Uh, I could still hide, you know, like I could very much control. And then I have a cousin who really likes to go to psychics and I would be like really protective. I'd be like, no, I don't want you to go to, you know, someone who doesn't have your best interests. And every time I would meet a powerful psychic, they'd be like, well, you're psychic. Why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be public. I want to hide in the background. Um, until I finally hit prone. Um, so I've always been doing the work. I just tried to control how I was doing the work. And then I hit prone and I was like, at some point I have to allow myself to be who I am. So I did a dedication to become a crone. I did a dedication to um I, I I don't know either to God or to the universe of like I surrender and I serve have me be what you would have me be and then I was like oh shoot are you sure you want me to do this and they're like yes we want you to practice for 30 days and then we want you to be this and I was like okay let's practice let's Let's open the books. Let me see if like what I see, let me see if what I hear is actually going to be of service. And um, and then it was. So thanks to Chrissy. Oh, let me tell you, Chrissy Tolly has outed me so many times because during that time I was also an animal communicator and I would, you know, do communication with animals. And I don't know where, I can't remember where she said it, but she, I think she said it on Instagram because I had chatted with her cat. And then on Instagram, she did this, oh, Robin Doxy is an animal communicator. I didn't actually know she said that. I just started getting DMs and I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. So that is how I became a professional animal communicator. And then yeah, she is just, oh, Robin Doxy does this. And I was like, oh, I don't actually do that in public. And every time she says it, I'm like, well, I guess I do it in public now. So 
Robin, you have so many gifts to share. Um, I think I've been there before when she outed you uh, about <laughs> the work you do with entities uh, and things like that, which I have to say, like, you, your perception on metaphysical entities that are draining our energy and just like the compassion you show, like, has shifted my energy around it too you know it's like oh they just need to go where they can eat and they're eating fear here and just getting stuck to us do you want to talk about that a little bit i don't want to like overly out you but people can go see robin for lots of things is all <laughs> yeah let's talk about this because we are conditioned to be fear that's how we're controlled right we're yes. controlled by our family of origin with fear. Don't touch that. Don't say that. Don't do that. Um, you'll die if you do. Um, that's how, you know, like we get in relationships. We don't know how to act. We act out of fear. We go into work, you know, we're controlled by our bosses of like, if you don't do what I say, you're going to be fired. If you fired, you're not going to eat. You're not going to have a home. You're going to die. So yeah. there's this constant, like, not only fear, but fear that we're going to die, fear of death. You know, like we are, we are, absolutely ruled by fear and we make decisions by fear when we're in a state of fear we are open to energetic parasites some of these parasites are sentient and some are non-sentient but fear leaves us vulnerable and the more we fear the more vulnerable we are and it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because when we're vulnerable we're vulnerable to like parasitic energy which feeds on the fear, which we have to keep supplying. So um, learning how to look at our fears, embrace our fears, move through our fears actually gives us more energetic autonomy. But telling someone to do that is so easy to say because there's no proof, right? For the person who's in fear, there's no way to believe this. They're like, oh, I tried before and it didn't work out. I myself deal with a lot of fear. I'm constantly like, Ooh, what am I afraid of here? Like my little shadow cells will come up and I'll be like, okay, what am I afraid of? Thanks for the warning. When we look at life through fear, life is scary. When we look at life, uh, isn't that curious? Isn't that interesting? We look at it from a sense of exploration. So when entities come that tend to be attracted to fear because they believe that that will feed them or they worm in. And some of these, they, they are energetic, but they don't really have consciousness about what they're doing. They're just opportunistic, you know, um, similar to um, like with mold. Mold is just opportunistic. It's not trying to hurt you. It's, you know, it's not its intention. It's just opportunistic of like, oh, I can exist here. We, on the other hand, really suffer <laughs> from various different types of molds that can, some don't affect us, some really affect us. That mold is not evil. It's an opportunistic entity. And the same with energetics. So I have been attacked multiple times from negative energy entities and energies. Um, what is my shield? If my shield is fear-based, everything that attacks me is evil. If my shield is 
gratitude-based, everything that attacks me is like, oh, that's interesting. I'm grateful I'm protected. Um, so yeah, I also experience fear and, and doubt and imposter syndrome and guilt. Um, what are the other ones, the big ones? Um, anger, um, jealousy, for me, jealousy. My experience with jealousy is like, oh, that's the grossest one. That's the one I want the least of. So, um, but I, it happens. Um, when these things happen, they put breaks in my shields and these entities find ways to come in and feed on that. Um, those can be short-term things or the, those can be very long-term things. Um, one of the things that... I do is help people get autonomy over that to help people find autonomy of their own choices and their own energy. And sometimes this can be very quick, depending on the person's willingness to release the lens of fear. So this can be very quick or this can be very drawn out. Um, but that lens is really what's going to determine how corkscrewed in those um, those entities can be. So people have a lot of different names. I stick with a very generic term of entity because when I'm dealing with an entity, whether or an energetic, whether it's sentient or non-sentient, I get to claim some autonomy and agency over myself that this may not be personal. This may be opportunistic. And if it is, I have some agency over what I can do. I have some autonomy over my own choices. And much like mold, which can be chronic, meaning you have to maintain for a very, very long time, or maybe something like a seven-day virus. It can be very short, but there are, I get to take some personal responsibility but I don't have to do it alone. We do not live in a vacuum. I also can ask for help on getting through this. Now, whether that's therapy, um, psychological therapy, uh, physical therapy, somatic therapy, emotional therapy, shadow work, um, there are a lot of things that I can do. And if I accept help from well-meaning, if I accept help from love, I now have even more defenses or like I can be shored up while I am removing this, you know, gunk and stuff. So if I name it through a lens of fear, I give it power. I'm not saying that these things are not serious. They can be very, very serious. If I don't name it, because there's powers in name, you know, if I don't name it, I am like, this is you, this is me, I'm claiming back my power, and I'm allowing you to go where you survive best. You don't belong here. I need you to go where you belong. When you're where you belong, May you find happiness. May you find peace. Because this is not peaceful. 
And my desire is for you to be at peace and for me to be at peace. And if I come from that energetic, I find it much more effective. Again, this is easier said than actually done. Doing this practice sometimes can take a large part of the day and and needs to be sustained. And every now and then it's just a one-off. Oof, Robin, um, I love that. We are really um, trained, not taught, and we're trained to be safe, not brave. And I think that when we're trained to be safe, it's because we're being controlled by fear, you know, and like people who raise us were raised with authoritarian rule and they raise us to believe in authority. And like, um, yeah, I really, oh, I appreciate that perspective so much. Uh, this leads very well into my other question for you is just like some practices about fortification. Um, I almost call it. I'm really moving away from spiritual protection to like fortification because like, I don't even want to acknowledge that there are things that like, um, like you need protection from, like, I understand and believe how fortified I am. Right. But there's also a lot of spiritual hygiene that I do, um, to like clear things and to not, you know, I don't know. What do you do like for spiritual fortification? What are practices you would suggest to folks? I really like this because everybody can create their own recipe, right? Yeah. Ever everybody gets to wear their own outfit or uh and they get to utilize their own gifts and they get to call in their own guides and it's so unique and personal. So, I am actually fascinated with this. I like to watch other people. I like to hear how other people do it. One of the things that absolutely horrifies me is when people are constantly telling me they're drained in certain situations and it kind of breaks my heart. Um, I don't believe we ought to be drained. Uh, I don't view myself as a cup. I view myself as a straw of an unending source of energy flowing through me. Because if I'm a cup, I imagine that my energy is finite and that I'm always pouring it out like I have to pour, you know, you get an eighth of a cup, you get a quarter of a cup, and I get nothing at the end, and there's no self-care, and I'm exhausted and drained. When I view myself as a straw, there is an unending supply of energy going through me. So I'm not actually sharing. I am allowing this unending thing to go through you. So I don't actually ever give my energy away. Uh, I allow universal energy because my energy you know I have fears I have blocks I have insecurities uh I have uh I don't know what you call it I grasp I it's not greed it's like ooh, I I get super protective but I don't have to protect an infinite supply of energy so when it comes to protection I believe if you have a tool that will use you as a form of fortification or protection, then by all means, use it. I'm constantly walking around with rocks. <laughs> you know, I use crystals extensively. <laughs> I love it. Um, <clears throat> so if you like to use crystals, use crystals. If you like to use sprays, use sprays. If you like to use words of affirmations, use words of affirmations. For myself, the main things that I use 
is a meditation practice, gratitude and love and my guides, because I am easily distracted. And if I am constantly on guard thinking I need to do this, I'm, you know, oh my God, there's a bird, there's a dog, a leaf fell off a tree, you know, anything will distract me. If I allow my guards, if I, if my guards, my guides, if I rest in the power of source or God or my guides, my angels, my ancestors, my animals, my spiritual beings, my ascended, my ascended masters, (laughs) um, I allow them to do the fortification, you know? Allow me to be in a state of grace that I may be of better service for my highest good as well as the highest good of all. Uh, And I frequently, especially when I'm around people that are triggering me, I pull in my guides. I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. Like, I am about to really do some trauma reaction going on here. And uh, I don't have time to sit and deal with this please stand between me and this person so that whatever kind of draining energy or whatever kind of trigger or cord that I may be tempted to engage in, please stand between us and stop it. So I utilize my guides a lot. I use them for bubbles. I use them as like flaming swords. I use their wings for protection I use uh actually I just ask them to like whatever you think best and then I move through my day that I have this going on with me I spend a lot of time talking to my guides I spend a lot of time in being doing practices of receptivity so that I have this relationship so I have this trust and it doesn't mean it's perfect but it's good enough and then the other thing I do is a, um, I have a ongoing gratitude practice that I do throughout the day to um, bring coherence to my energy so that I'm not splintered into a bunch of different parts. I say this, this does not happen 24 hours <laughs> because... An hour before talking to you, I was like, oh, wait, I don't actually know what I'm doing. Should I be nervous? Maybe I should be nervous. And that's an example of me splintering into parts, not having gratitude. And I think I I told you before, I was like, angels, can I be nervous here? My angels are like, no, you're fine. Just trust Bevan. Just trust Bevan. And I was like, okay. so I'm saying all this, I don't want to portray that I maintain this on a 24-7, like I maintain this like in 15-minute intervals of like where I check in and be like, okay, let's check in. Are you centered? Are you grounded? Are you loving? Are you clear? Are you expanding and are you empowering? That's my, that's my C-L-E-E filter of like, am I moving? Am I energetically moving through these filters? And if I'm not, ask for help. Wow. Okay. There's so much good in that. Okay. First of all, um, 
I love how you talk about the straw and like, um, if, because I think that we get a finite amount of energy for ourselves. Like that's our energy for us. Right. And like when we're not trained how to just like tap into source energy, which is an infinite supply of loving energy that we can flow into like our clients or like whoever we're doing work with. Um, there's a great Grateful Dead lyric I love, which is let it be known there is a fountain that was not made by the hands of men. And that is what I imagine, like, that's the energy I serve from. And then our energies for our healing and our work and the lessons we're meant to be on in, in earth to do. I think a lot of us come with like a double mission, like both like our soul lessons, but then also things we're supposed to help with, with the collective. Um, and I think those things come from like the desires of our soul, right? Like, and like the things we create. Um, but like everyone has different me- different ways they're meant to help like healing or you know art creation um speaking truth to pseudo power building bridges with people like there's a lot of ways and this is like also an activist um, matrix too like when people want to make social change like there's a lot of ways to do it and like um resources you can offer that don't drain you and don't deplete you like pay attention to the things that bring you joy and vibe up your energy Um, I also really love that you in segments every day, you're like checking in every 15 minutes. Like, are you, so will you go through it again? Are you clear, grounded, centered? Um, Yes. So I myself personally, am I centered and am I grounded? Um, I use the chakra system. So I check in with my earth star chakra and my soul star chakra. Am I centered and grounded? You know, is there a central line going through that's clear and am I grounded? So that's my personal energy. The energy that's channeling through me, you know, what is the quality of that? Is it clear? Is it loving? Is it expansive? And is it empowering? And that's that's a personal thing. I mean, you're welcome to use it. You're welcome to use it. Um, but, um, but like I was saying before, when we're doing fortification and working with our guides, they're so specific and unique and individual to each of us. Uh, I think it's important that we embrace our individuality and our, and our own special recipes that, you know, like we have our own spice. Let's, let's spice our recipes according to our strengths. So those four things of filtering how energy flows through me. So if it's not loving, I'm not accepting the energy. If it's not empowering, if it's like shrinking or constrictive, I'm not accepting the energy. If it's not expansive, meaning like it's not interconnecting with the expansiveness of all energy, I don't want it to come through me. And if it's not clear, I don't have time for it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Okay. I love that. And also that was another thing I loved about what you said, because everyone is unique. We're supposed to be different. And so everything, everything you learn in metaphysics, if I can teach you one thing, it's take what you like and leave the rest. Like you're not meant to be a cookie cutter of this one person. Um, I will say like a big launch pad for me with developing my psychic gifts super intentionally and starting my spiritual fortification was Teresa Caputo, her first book. Um, it just kind of laid out some basic spiritual hygiene. And I was like, I need to do that. And it changed my life. Like it was just so helpful for me to just even be mindful about my energy and clearing it and grounding myself. Even though I'd heard those things before, I didn't really understand how to put them in practice until I heard someone's practice. I tried it on. And now I've like continued to just gather things from people. Um, 
but that's such a good um clear loving expansive what's the third one the fourth one empowering empowering expansive and yeah. empowering great mm -hmm. right. okay that's yeah. I mean it's just such a good like you know thing to go through like a little just inventory yeah I've heard I've heard other people um come up with uh other things that I really admire so I know some people you know talk about truth you know is it true uh I've heard other people you know include compassion um that they have included um there's another e that i super like um it all of course i can't recall a single one but i've heard other people do their um you know identify for them what what are those important principles for them of the energy that they want to let through i love that you brought up hygiene um cleansing my energy, uh, you know, kind of shaking loose anything that may be stuck. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm doing that constantly. I, I like cleansing. I feel like it's, um, like I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. My friends might call me a, a big germaphobe. Uh, so I'm constantly like washing my hands, you know, washing my surfaces, even though I force myself, I'm like, you are not being controlled by this. You have to touch something dirty. Um, but I also think like I'm, a, I'm maybe a little bit of an energetic germaphobe of like, okay, let's just dust this off, dust it off. I don't want any of those uh, other things going on. Um, but I do a lot of different cleansings and um, yeah, I do a lot of hygiene. <laughs> It's just like nice to feel fresh, right? <laughs> I think it's it's important, in fact, to feel fresh. Like I started, um, when I go to the restroom, I started just checking into my body. Do I need to just shake out? Because anybody who's been to my aerobics class before knows we do like a very intentional Qigong energetic clearing. But like, even you could just shake out. It's I mean, stimming is something we talk about with like neurodivergent kids or whatever but actually stimming and you know which is just shaking out is one of those natural things we can do as mammals uh to release stuck energy and like when i tied it to the habit of needing to go to the bathroom and just have that as a check-in it's just i don't need to keep it let me just shake it out you know um so just like i mean that's a little bit of habit stacking but also just like energetic clearing you don't need to keep it like so it's, it's, it's something that's been colonized out of us that like you know they don't, they don't want us to act weird. They don't want us to talk about the, the angels and guardians and the things that we see or connect to, because we all have different gifts and different connections that come through so pure as a child that then gets squashed away. But like most of the work of intuitive development is self-trust and imagination. And those are the things they want to like get out of us as kids when they want to control us. But like that we come back to as grownups. Uh, Bevan, I'm stealing that. Thank you so much for sharing it. I am habit stacking, uh, clearing and voiding at the same time. I love that. I'm so glad you said that. Good. I'm glad. Um, Robin Doxy, you are one of my favorite teachers. Um, I love learning from you. You always have just every interaction I have from you, whether it's a reading or just in community, I feel like I learned so much from you. I'm so excited for people who are listening to this episode now to reach out to robindoxy.com, make an appointment with you and see who they really are in a way, like from a lens of love in a way that like, I mean, there were 
in my first reading with you, which was on 10-10-2023, it was life-changing. That's why I remember the date. Because like there were just little things that you told me that relieved me. Like, I was like, oh, I'm just here to help. <laughs> I can't fix anything. I'm just here to help. And I've said that before, but like, I really get it now in a way that I did not get it before. And like, it's like, it's lightened me up and helped me um, be more in my flow. And like, you also told me that my intention is magic, which is something I hear from a lot of people. But for some reason, the way you told me in that session, like my intention in this is magic. And so like, it it has helped me be like, okay. I'm casting spells with every time block I make. Um, I asked the very, I looked through Robin Doxy's great questions on her website. Um, and I like very intentionally asked the question of like, how can, how can I set up my days to reach my full potential? Which is a very Capricorn question to ask a reader, but <laughs> it was a very good answer. And it was something that I had already been kind of inclined toward, um, but I hadn't taken real action on. And like, you were like, well, you were already inclined towards it. I didn't need to be here. And I was like, yes, I needed to just be the slippery slope through which like I could trust my own intuition. Cause some, like still I've been working on this stuff for, for years, but like, I, I really believe that, um, you know, a witch doesn't come into her full power. And I'm putting that in quotes because you can identify as whatever, and you don't have to be she, her identified, but like a witch doesn't come into her full power until all of her hair is white. And like, I still only have like a Bonnie Raitt stripe. So I still have a long way to go <laughs> to really like be in my full power. And I look forward to continuing to have you as a friend as I move along and gain more wisdom. Um, first of all, I am so happy that your reading was helpful. Uh, I don't get to remember the readings. Akasha loves me too. So when I go to sleep, Akasha wipes it from me. Um, but the other thing I would like to challenge you, Evan, oh, please, um, please. I would like you to challenge your view of coming into power. Uh, and perhaps you've always been in power. It's just you removing the things that believe you're not. Oof. Yes. So Absolutely. I think we're born in power. I think we exist in power and then we forget and we think we have to go through this long hero's journey to finally come to it. Um, perhaps that is the way and perhaps it's not. So I would like you to, I challenge you to examine that belief. Oh, thank you for your challenge. I will examine <laughs> that, that belief. Thank you. Um, although I do love the, the progression of like, what's going to happen as my hair, uh, turns white, but, um, yeah. My experience is it's definitely better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think the more days we get, the more opportunities we learn how to love ourselves. So there is something to say about that, um, that progression, I think, that, you know, time, because we do deal with time in this dimension, that time also is a gift. Uh, and, uh, and, it, and it's valuable. How valuable is your time? Uh, it's every day valuable for me. <laughs> Sacred. Um, Robin Doxy, thank you for sharing this time with me with us. Um, I just treasure you. I can't wait to have you back on the podcast um and yay thank you
Thank you too. And thank you, Prince. Yay, Prince Roger. <laughs> you live forever in our hearts. <laughs>